You're listening to News Radio KMAN. Now back to the game with Mitch Fortner, David G, and Troy Coverdale. Travion, you okay? I'm okay. Okay. Troy, you okay? Eddie, are you okay? Are you okay, Troy? Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. Okay, I'm okay as well. It's hour two of the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland, who's wearing a Back to the Future shirt. Is it just a plain old simple Back to the Future shirt? Nothing special? Yep, just the first movie poster. Mike Jack isn't on there for some reason? Or MTV logo? Nope, not today. All right. Our number is 537-1350, hour two of the game. I I kind of wanted to get back to the Mike Gundy story. I looked a little bit into it during the break. I might look a little bit more in our next break, so I'm more familiar with the situation, but apparently said Gundy said no thanks to Spencer Sanders about returning to Oklahoma State. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, Felix Indy, DK Uzama, he's the big story today as he has declared for the NFL draft. He's going to leave early. Two really, really solid years for the Wildcats. Uh, a caller, Travion, why don't you repeat what the caller was asking, just to just to be clear. Um, he said last year you were at the KU game and you had to correct someone over his name, over the yes. PA announcer. It would have been Felix. Well, kind of a funny story about the Sugar Bowl. I went back into the booth uh, before half and the announcer was only saying last names, which I think is a bit cheap, but whatever. He's not the first, he's not the last. Right. Um, I think he was also the Saints announcer. Uh, but anyway, um, didn't know how to say Echo Boydo. Ah. And he also had, so the announcer at the Sugar Bowl also had somebody like a spotter, but he would, instead of saying a number like my spotters will do, right? just say the last name, and the announcer would just repeat the last name. Would just say, Vaughn on the carry, Anderson the tackle, that's it. Very simple, mm-hmm. and I think the spotter was doing a lot of the work, most of the work anyway, like spotters do. Uh, but I did tell him how to say Echo Boydo. But at the KU game last year, so I remember I was, I was back in the booth, I was going to announce for the Pride of Wildcat Land, and I did. And uh, the, the funny thing about that is, and I, I figured like when I'm not announcing for the band, if it's somebody else, I think there's always a lot of ass kissing that goes on because both band announcers are in there like, oh, your band does such a good job. Your band does such a good job. You're a great announcer. It's a lot of that. Right. It's sure. a bit much. Yeah. Uh, but I play along. I've, I've actually I, I like KU's football announcer. Boy, has he been through a lot. He's been doing it for a long time. And I've always I've always kind of liked how he says touchdown Kansas right I think it has a good ring I, I don't want K to score touchdowns but I think he does a good job um but there was a play towards the end of the half and I think Felix got a sack but there was a penalty and he looked at the roster as like oh boy he froze up he <laughs> well, I don't know if he froze up there was just some hesitation and I was already next to him and I was like Felix and UDK Uzama but he never said it because of the penalty flag. The, right. the flag bailed him out. So I don't know if he ever actually did say Felix Indy DK Uzama. 
So I think that's the story the caller was wondering about. But uh, I think that's the only time I ever ran into that. Any any issue with an announcer with Felix's name? I've heard it butchered many places for sure. But Troy, you just pulled up some really solid audio that you – go ahead and tell us the background of what you put together. One of the segments that appeared on PowerCat Game Day in 2022 and previously we entitled Wildcat Weekend Sound. 2021. 2021, you're right. Didn't my bad. this year. Yeah. Uh, and, and we took it out of the rotation this year, you're right. Uh, but uh, what it was was kind of a compendium of some of the things that were being said by – Players, coaches, analysts—different things that were brought up through the course of uh, throughout the course of a lead up into a week, and a look back at what had taken place the week before. Wildcat Week in Sound. So, following the game at Texas Tech, some of the players were talking about what Felix had done to essentially change the game with his defensive play, the defensive play that was butchered by one Tim Brando multiple times. And it's Azuma. Unity Azuma 91 that made the play. Nuki Uzama Timmy was in there so fast. Felix and Unity Azuma. My man, last but not least, y'all, I've been screaming about this name. Felix and Udika Uzama. I was mostly happy how he pronounced my name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he said almost as far as about that. About yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was, because he, right when he started, he said, Felix and Yudike Uzama, and I was like, wow. Because, like, I know, like, I saw the TV cut the other day. Oh, God. And he was just butchering my name. Tim, whatever his name, Tim. Tim I'm Brando. not going to say it yeah. out loud. He searches for his name. Okay, yeah. He, he was just butchering my name, like, 20 times. Like, I was like... Even my brother tweeted, he's like, how come you just don't look his name on K-State Sports? Because I literally say my recording. Felix and Utica Azuma. Yeah, Tim, uh, Tim Brandy, Tim Brownie. Tim, the guy who... Tim Bozo. Can't identify who KU's defensive coordinator is correctly. Like I said in the last hour, Brando did redeem himself a little bit. In the KU game last year, he did. I don't think he messed it up once. If he did, I didn't catch it. So, I guess we all get a little bit better once in a while. But man, the heat he got well deserved too. Got to be ready for things like that, uh, even though we do slip up once in a while. Uh, Felix Indiki Uzama again announcing that he is declared for the NFL draft. He finishes his career with 97 tackles, 26 and a half tackles for loss, 20 and a half sacks. Eight and a half of those were this past season. All-Big 12 first-team selection, All-Big 12 defensive player of the year, first-team All-American. Here are the records that he holds following his K-State career. Tied for first with most sacks in a game, four against TCU. He is tied with Chris Johnson that had the same against Missouri in 2000. Tied for fifth for most sacks in a season with 11 in 2021. The record is 11 and a half, held by four gentlemen. Tied for sixth with 20-and-a-half career sacks. He is tied with Ian Campbell and Ryan Mueller. Tied for first with six forced fumbles in one season. That was in 2021. Who also holds that record is Darren Howard. Tied for fourth with eight forced fumbles in his career. And, uh, And that's about it. Looking around some mock drafts, it looks like as of right now, of course, this is pre, you know, team workout with scouts here in Manhattan. Also, uh, you know, the NFL Combine. Before all that, 
kind of graded out right now as a early second round pick, which I'm, I'm thinking, you know, okay, early second. The draft is in Kansas City where he's from. Mm-hmm. I think he should be there. I think he should be there in person for the draft. I think there, there's no doubt about it that he should be there in person for the draft. And who knows, maybe he improves his draft stock after interviews, workouts, combines. He can work his way into being a first-round draft pick. That would be amazing. I think there's no doubt at that point he would be at the NFL draft to walk across the stage and shake the commissioner's hand. But then it got me thinking. And I, we, we talked about this a little bit with Deuce Vaughn. Heck, day one, I was comparing him to Darren Sproles. I said right. he, it took a little convincing, but I finally said it, that he was going to be the next Darren Sproles. Now, as best all time when it comes to running backs, it's still Darren Sproles. Deuce Vaughn is number two. But where does, where does Felix land in the pecking order of K-State defensive ends? Hmm. There's, I think there's many ways you can look at it as a run stopper, pass rusher, if you want to throw it all together, career sacks, career tackles for loss, forced fumbles. And there's a lot that goes into becoming a great defensive end, but I mean, I think we're going to first and foremost always think of Felix and DK Uzama, no doubt about it. You know, what has earned him Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year is his ability to rush the passer. No mm-hmm. doubt about that. No doubt. So, Felix, like I mentioned, finished sixth in sacks. Listen, my number one is quite clear, and I think this would be most people's number one in Darren Howard. I mean, statistically, it says that he is the best pass rusher in K-State football history, but even when he was playing, when he played from 96 to 99, I mean, good Lord, Darren Howard played for some elite defenses. So his, I would say his senior year, 1999, you could argue that that might be the best K-State defense of all time. That, that K-State defense in 99 still holds the Big 12 record for the least amount of points allowed. That still stands. 20, what, 23 years later. That's still the record. Uh, and, of course, you know, on that team he wasn't alone. Monty Beisel was a very good pass rusher, tackles for loss guy, forced fumble guy. So, not I mean, Felix was not alone – or, uh, you know – uh, Darren Howard was not alone, for sure, when it comes to really good pass rushers on that team. You know, and Felix had, like I mentioned earlier, Brendan Mott kind of nipping at his heels when it comes to who's going to be the leading sack guy this year, and Brendan Mott was second with six sacks this year. I, I, I can't put Felix first, of course. Second, I mean, I mean, Niall Wyron was a beast himself, and he's second best in sacks in his career with 27 uh, he might have some of my favorite hits as a defensive end. If you've seen the clip, I don't remember which year this was because he was a, you know, he was ninety three to ninety six. But Niall Wyron, who was a first team All Big Twelve player, so he had the play, and I think it was against Iowa State where he wrapped up the guy and suplexed him. It was a belly to back Kurt Angle style suplex to the ground, and it's still a. <laughs> I don't know if like if, if Iowa State's the opponent, it's definitely going to be on the proud of this house we built highlight reel. But Niall Wyron is up there as well. I, Ryan right. Mueller, Jordan Willis. Uh, jo- I almost forgot about Jordan Willis. Uh, White Hubert, of course, very recently. But you also have to consider as well, you know, Felix played in the 3-3. A lot of these guys, most of them, if not all of them, played in a 4-3 base. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's really tough to rank them. 
Like they're all special in their way, even though all these guys I could keep mentioning Ian Campbell, um, Meshack Williams. I'm gonna be forgetting some guys, I know that for sure. Maybe even some early early Snyder guys. But I think if you want to argue that Felix is a top five defensive end of all time at Kansas State, I think there's absolutely an argument for that because of the defense he played in, the 3-3. But he still managed to be you know, top six guy in sacks all time. He's one of the best to ever do it when it comes to forcing fumbles. I mean, that 2021 season, he had six. And I... I was like, man, like it's like every time he got a sack, he also knocked the ball loose. That that's a pretty elite thing to do. That mm-hmm. one year in 2021 where he had his 11 sacks, the six forced fumbles. Incredible. Incredible season. Heck, that's another argument as well. Like who had the best season of all time? You could break that down if you wanted to because I know Darren Howard also had a six forced fumble, 11 sack season like Felix and DK Uzama. But I don't have a top 10 put together. Felix is, I think, a top five all-time defensive end. Who I had put there up there with them, Darren Howard, Niall Wyron, um, Jordan. I think you got to put Jordan Willis in there. Oh, this is where I get in trouble. Oh, I don't know if I want to make the decision now or sleep on it or, uh, hey, come back in a year and we'll, or, uh, what do we, you know, whenever we honor Felix with his next award. Um, down the road, whatever that may be. <laughs> uh boy, I, I've put my spell. On, I've put myself on the spot with this one. Oh, boy, I yeah. might have to. I might have to go Monty Beisel, and I want to go Ryan Mueller, but I have. To, I might have to go Monty. I might have to go Monty. But the thing is, like, I always, I also worry, like, I might be forgetting about somebody. Well, yeah, there's always what, what that. a tough argument that is, right? For for like the top five defensive ends, but. I, you know, I feel, I think Felix deserves it. And, and see, that's where uh, again it it gets tough. The further you get into a program that is developed the way that K State has, could you imagine trying to determine who the top five defensive ends in Alabama history were? Yeah, I mean it's impossible, right? Well, exactly. Maybe. Yeah. It, well, it, but the thing is, like, I, you also got to you also got to consider. You know, Felix did all this work really in two seasons. Yeah, true. You know, you know, some of these guys I'm throwing into this top five, you know, it was more than just a couple of seasons. It was, you know, three or four. So I think for that and playing in the 3-3, Felix is definitely a top five defensive end guy. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm I think I'm happy with the with the five I put in there. Monty Beisel or Ryan Mueller. Oh boy. <laughs> uh Monty. Got I think you gotta go Monty. I think his career tackles are through the roof. Along with Darren Howard's, Monty was a great pass rusher. His tackles for loss was a really good number. He had nearly as many as Nile Wyron, who is second all-time, in, or not second all-time, but when it comes to defensive ends, when it comes to tackle for loss. Again, it's a really tough argument. I mean, Ian Campbell should be brought up in the conversation, I think, of if anybody <laughs> wants to make an argument that, you know, Felix and DK Uzama is not a top five defensive end in K-State history, I'm sure there's an argument out there, but... For two years, having 100 tackles, 20 and a half sacks, 26 and a half tackles for loss, he forced eight forced fumbles. I think he absolutely deserves to be a top five defensive end guy. But Darren Howard will always, I think, unless somebody comes in and is able to top what he did, Darren Howard will probably always be my my number one. 
Uh, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, okay, so I'm going to look more into this uh, this uh, Oklahoma State situation because apparently Gundy told Spencer Sanders no thanks when he tried to come back. Trending on Twitter, no less. Is it now? Maybe that'll help me with my research. Yeah, just do quick. a search for Gundy. Huh, okay. All right. <laughs> more on that when we come back on the game. The Big 12, a little dramatic last 24 hours or so, maybe a little longer than that. Garrett Riley uh, is leaving TCU as offensive coordinator, going to Clemson. That's one part of it. Max Duggan's like, ah, I suck again. (laughs) Because Garrett Riley is also the quarterback coach. Correct. For his one year. One year at TCU, of course, coming along with Sonny Dykes and now he's off to Clemson for a, a better job and a higher paying job, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a given. And uh, and then we saw Derek Mason, defensive coordinator for Oklahoma State. He has decided to uh, he's just gonna you know take a break. Wow. From what I understand, just gonna take a break from football. That was the announcement, right? Yep. Something like that. Yep. One year sabbatical. So uh, somebody shared this clip on Twitter, and I I'd kind of heard something about this previously. I mean, first of all, Oklahoma State, I brought this up with D.Y., gosh, it felt like three weeks ago now or something like that, just about Oklahoma State and everybody that's been jumping into the transfer portal. Offensively, you have Bryson Green, um, Spencer Sanders, of course, Braylon Green, a couple of, uh, or Braylon Presley, rather, wide receivers, Dominic Richardson at running back, John Paul Richardson, a wide receiver, and also an offensive lineman has jumped into the portal. And then defensively, it's a bit, bit worse, I think, defensively for uh, Oklahoma State, who's jumped in the portal. Really good linebacker in Mason Cobb. Great defensive end in Trace Ford. Thomas Harper, who's a stud. Uh, let's see here. Jabbar Muhammad, who's a stud. Uh, a number of guys jumped in the portal. It was a lot. It was a lot happening at once, it felt like, for Oklahoma State. It felt like kind of a meltdown there in Stillwater, but it, it, it appears that, you know, I'm not going to get too into this part of it, but it appears that, you know, Gundy's done a decent job of filling some of those holes with transfer portal guys, and you know, a recruiting class, but the story is about Spencer Sanders. So, uh, Robert Allen, who's a friend of ours on, here on the show, uh, also on PowerCat Game Day, he's a PowerCat Game Day report, uh, reporter. He's with PokesReport.com, and he also has a show that he does. And uh, he, he talked about the Spencer Sanders situation. So, it's his story, but I'm going to kind of uh, repeat some of the, the cliff notes here. So, Spencer Sanders, when the portal opened, he jumped in, right? I, I guess the understanding in Stillwater with, with, with Gundy was Spencer was going to play in the bowl game because uh, his, his son, Gunner, needed surgery. And mm-hmm. that leaves you with Rangal, who, you know, hadn't looked great. Right. But Spencer was supposed to play in the bowl game. Well, the, the portal opens and he jumps in. Apparently, Gundy took that very personally. So the Pokes are practicing. They're Dang. practicing, getting ready for uh, what the heck is the bowl game called now in, in Phoenix, uh, whatever it is now, the take on Wisconsin. Um, and Rangel is taking the snaps. Spencer says, you know what? I want to come back, Coach. I want to come back. I want to play in the bowl game. I want to come back and be a cowboy. Pistols firing, pistol beat, whatever. He threw a bunch of things out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously this is a direct quote, but this is according to Robert Allen on his show. He's basically that Gundy said no. 
So now it's like, all right, whose side are you taking here? You taking Spencer Sanders or you taking Mike Gundy? Well, after hearing that story, you're kind of leaning, at least in my opinion, kind of leaning towards Gundy. You know, his his quarterback, you felt like you're pretty close with, decides to bounce for a last year of eligibility after four committed years to Oklahoma State, decides to go somewhere else, but then he wants to come back home after deserting coach for this bowl game, just plans completely blow up. Right. But now he wants to come back. My thought, though, however, is, all right, quarterback-wise, Gundy found somebody to fill that spot. Because Rain Gal's not going to be a starter. Gunner Gundy, I mean, he was he was pooping his pants when he played here in Manhattan. I mean, he was shaking. God, that was beautiful. Woo. He was not ready. Speaking of King Felix. But gosh darn it, the kid tried. Okay, yeah, we'll give him that. Um, so Gundy goes and gets Alan Bowman. So Bowman, before he played at Michigan, he played, what, two years at Texas Tech? Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't the best football. But my thought is, all right, you go and get this quarterback who just spent two years at Michigan as like a third-string quarterback. Right. Gundy, you just downgraded, my friend. I think you're kind of in a worse position now, a quarterback, than you were with Spencer Sanders. Oh, but it's a guy that has Big 12 experience. Come on. Well, for sure. Okay, I'm I'm being sarcastic here. Well, you you kind of threw me into a thought, and I I got to thinking about turnovers. Okay, like so, Spencer Sanders did not have the most beautiful you know touchdown to turnover ratio or anything like that. Right. Uh, But you know he could still consistently throw for two thousand yards a season. He'll run for you. He's a he's a he's a good running quarterback. Alan Bowman is not a running quarterback. Right. Uh, His touchdown to uh, turnover ratio is is worse. And he's also been sitting on the bench for the last two years as a third-string guy on right. a good team. I mean, J.J. McCarthy was a starter. Uh, gosh, who was the backup? Oh, McNamara. That's right. Yeah, who is on his way out. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you got a guy that's been cold the last couple of years to replace Spencer Sanders, who's a former, you know, wasn't he a couple of years ago? He was quarterback of the year in the Big 12. Yep. Te- oh, yep, the team that went to the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, he was quarterback of the year in the conference. I don't know, I think that's a downgrade, man. I, I, I get where Gundy's coming from, though. You know, you, you're, you're hurt. You're probably acting in the moment. You're still probably a little bit sour because it's before the bowl game. And you got a whole bunch of guys jumping in the portal. It's kind of a meltdown mode, potentially, there in Stillwater. But, man, I'm taking Spencer Sanders over Alan Bowman. Nobody will surprise me more with a successful season next year than Oklahoma State, probably. The way it, yeah. it feels right now with the Cowboys, a lot to replace, especially you know defensively losing Trace Ford and and Mason Cobb, two really solid players. I don't know, and you know replacing Derek Mason, yeah, it's a might be an old rebuilding year for the Pokes there in Stillwater. All right, when we come back, let's jump to number one song of the day. I should actually probably play this yesterday because it's got a kind of a theme to it. <laughs> There's a man in the funny papers we all know He lives way back a long time ago Yeah, this is a weird one. Been a long time since I've heard this. From 1960. Boop, boop. Well, this cat's name is Alley Oop. By Hollywood Argyles, one week at number one. I was thinking, you know, alley oop. Like, you know, 
That alley-oop on Tuesday night. Yeah. There's the theme. Hell, the season's been full of alley-oops. Different kind of alley-oop, though, if you can't tell by the lyrics already. This was a, a, a hard number one song to put together, like, to get, like, real solid info. Just on the group. The thing is, Hollywood Argyles is not your typical group. They're an American musical ensemble. They were basically thrown together for the studio recording of this song that was produced by songwriter Kim Fowley and his friend and fellow musician Gary S. Patton, who's a singer. They ended up having six singles. This is early number one. So Alley Oop was a popular comic strip, I guess, at the time. The Funny Papers, you know, he was a caveman. So it's a novelty song about a character, first of all. So Gary Paxton wanted to record this song, but at the time, he was in a contract with Brent Records because he was in a group called Skip and Flip. Just a, you know, a little duo. He was Flip. I don't know who Skip was, but he's Flip. So he had to try to get around this whole contract thing so he had a basically he basically made up the name Hollywood Argyles that's what he was performing under oh boy so then records a song the reason he got the name Hollywood Argyles is because the studio he was at was on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and Argyle Street so there you go but when this song became a hit then people were requesting requesting live performances interviews he's like well crap now I gotta put together a group yeah. So he found some musicians, and all of a sudden you have a real Hollywood Argyles group. Alley Oop was uh, produced by Fally. He recalled that time when this group performed, everybody was blackout drunk. <laughs> a mess. Sloppy. But still, they were able to get this recording out. I gotta say. Not too bad. Nope. I don't know if Paxton was drunk, the singer, but like the musicians were. Right. This isn't. This doesn't seem like a hard one to play, though, when you're drunk. You just, hopefully you have a little bit of rhythm. I think the real interesting story about all this, though, is who I mentioned earlier about Fally. Uh, and also um, the guy who wrote this song. Who is Dallas Frazier. So Dallas Frazier went on to um, write this country hit, Elvira. By the way, you have an Oak Ridge boy celebrating a birthday today. Shout out to him. 84. And an ungodly beard. Really? Yeah. Yep, this guy that wrote this song also wrote Elvira. Makes perfect sense. But the the real winner in this whole story, this whole Hollywood Argyles thing, is the producer. Have you ever heard of Kim Fowley? I'm sure Travion has. Discovered the Runaways. Well, you gave away my... Oh, sorry. <sighs> See, he does that. Yeah, I, I know, man. You asked, you were like, what do you know? I'm like, okay. I just asked. You've heard of him, right? That's all I asked. We can go back. We can run the tape back and just to double check He's here. He's done other stuff, too. I mean. All right, so I'm going to pretend that Travion just didn't spoil the whole next part of this segment here, but... Uh, so Fowley, where he really made a good run, was in the 70s before he founded this certain trailblazing type of group that Travion did not name drop. Um, he also wrote three songs for the film American Graffiti. You've probably heard of a couple of them. At the Hop, Louie Louie, and She's So Fine. Mm-hmm. 
And then he also wrote songs for Helen Reddy, Kiss, Alice Cooper, Chris Christopherson. But it was when 1974. That's when he maybe had his biggest success of them all. Maybe. As he was out on Hollywood Boulevard, he had the idea of putting together this all-girl group. Hadn't really been done yet. So he's out in the, uh, the Hollywood Strip, and he runs into a young teenage guitarist by the name of Joan Jett, who expressed interest in forming this all-female band. Less than two weeks later, he meets 15-year-old drummer Sandy West. So it's those two, and they met outside the Rainbow Bar and Grill, which I've been by there, never been in, but it's not too far from the Whiskey A Go-Go. And they're like, all right, they start jamming, like, all right, we need some more people. They need some more people. Short time later, they find Lita Ford, Shuri Curry, Jackie Fox, who eventually becomes the Runaways. Wow. How about that story? Tremendous. Travion, did you just learn something or what? Totally. Yeah. You look like somebody that's in shock. You're like, my God, <laughs> I took this I took this rock and roll course at K-State for a whole semester, and I learned more today than I did in that class. Didn't even talk about the runaways. Who taught the class, by the way? Oh, I, first uh, of all, I'm not. I was just joking about burying the class. I'm sure it's a really good one. I'd, I'd definitely take it. Chris Langsford. Okay. Nope. Not one I'm familiar with. Yeah. So. Okay. I was just seeing if it was similar to when I was in taking as a uh, uh, outside oh, concentration with yeah, my music stuff. That, this was that cloud. Oh. Okay. Oh. Oh. I thought you took it at K-State. Nope. Did oh, that then we'll first semester. Well, then forget time. about it. I don't. I'm not sad about what I just said. <laughs> I, I'm totally. I'm oop, totally oop. on board. I'm. I'm. I'm back to it. Oop. 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 I don't. I think the rock and roll class actually started right after I finished. Which, by the way, speaking of that, happy 69th birthday to my former boss, otherwise known as Hopalong Howie. Oh, Howard Stern turned 69 yeah, today. Yeah, huh? And uh, of course, every message I saw about that was, well, that's an appropriate age for him. <laughs> I was at the Stern show when he turned 58. Nice. And I thought, man, that's a long run for a guy in radio. Oh, yeah. And now yep. he's 11 years older and he's still doing it. I mean, for crying out loud, we're talking about a guy who was working at WNBC. Uh, no, Troy, you need to I do know, it correctly. It's WNBC. 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 Uh, Private Parts. Great movie. Great movie. I have it on DVD and I'll never get rid of it. Still amazing the path out of there that Pig Vomit still had in the world of radio for so long. What's the name of that actor? Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Great, great job in that role. Robin, get the blank. Great, great delivery. I think that was one of his first like major movies was that. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's, now he's stuck doing Verizon ads. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. There's something I was going to say. I've been forgetting things. All right, anyway. Getting Ooh. old. Getting Ooh. old. I, I discovered a couple more gray hairs yesterday. I was like, Jesus. You saw what my beard was looking like last week when I, I tried to. I think you should grow it out. It didn't want to work very well. One thing that I have noticed after having my uh, incident with COVID is that I'm fighting a little extra skin sensitivity. Oh, that's what I was going to say. You brought it up, COVID. I don't think Howard Stern's left the house. 
since COVID. Oh, I'm sure was on. You know, was was basically taking over the world because he, he's a germaphobe. He is a big germaphobe. He yeah. just recently did for his interview with Bruce Springsteen, but that's the first time he's left the house in like two and a half years. Or yeah, something. like legit left the house, like that, which is insane to me. But of course, you know, I'm sure he lives in a very nice place. He's been doing the show the last couple of years from his house. Everybody. From the show has been doing it from right. their houses over the last couple of years, which would suck because they got a really solid setup, especially with the studio, very right. comfortable place. All the coffee, all the pretzels, all the drinks you could potentially possibly want, you're taken care of up there. All right, Travion, I suppose let's take a quick break, and when we come back, Travion takes over. He's going to take over the whole show. He's even going to lead us into the segment. Ask us anything here on News Radio KMAN. There you Travion go. here with you with Mitch and Troy. My first question for you guys: Are you artistic? <laughs> no. Uh, like with drawing and painting and stuff like that. Anything creative, I suppose. I mean, like I'm creative for the show, I guess. Uh, like if it's arts and crafts, I'm the worst. My sister is a very good painter and a very good drawler. Um, she actually gave my mom a hand, I think it was hand-drawn, like sunflower or something like that. It was amazing. She was born with it. I could train for years and not make any progress. Monica's mom owned a ceramic store for years. There is so much ceramic stuff that has been done and, and other crafty and artsy stuff that has been done that uh, is throughout our apartment, much less uh, given as gifts and the like. She's tremendous. Oh, that's cool. Um, you know, right down to, you know, having the ability to do the dots for irises on the eyes. You know, when when painting, I I it it's amazing. There's no way in hell I could do it. I also don't have an eye for art. Like I I don't see what like what art people like that are into paintings and sculptures and like if you go to an art gallery yeah like this work is exquisite they could tell you what they're feeling when they look at it yep no yeah no way not me no nope. that's not me not happening no my art my art tends to be with words thank you very little does she sell anything on like <laughs> etsy or anything no 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 That'd be uh, a good money maker well true that uh Tell us when to find the time to do it. Right. <laughs> I, will, I will add uh, Jackson Square there in New Orleans. The, that park there, the yes. fencing during the day, it is full of street art, and oh. it is amazing. It's the best street art I've ever seen. Very cool. Nice, nice. What is something that you do, but you don't like that you do it? I just threw away the bottle, so. You know, <laughs> Diet Coke. You got that right. He's got that caffeine addiction, man. Right? Yep. Is that what it is? That, that's essentially what it is, yeah. Something I do, but I wish I didn't. You know, I, I have to go. I, I chew my fingernails. It's a horrible habit. Uh, I think it just comes from being around smokers growing up. And ah. I think that's just kind of where that comes from. And I bet Anthony also does it. I just, I have terrible fingernails. People, I hate it. I hate it when people, like, catch a glimpse of my fingernails. And they're like... Let me look at your fingernails. I'm, I look at it and I'm like, screw you. Why? <laughs> well, it's not like random strangers. It's like people I know. I, I mean, are they are they double checking that you've gotten your most recent pedicure or uh, what? What's the reasoning not here? Not necessarily. They're just like, wow, your fingernails are a bit chewed up. Good grief! It's it's not a nervous thing either. It's just 
it, it's disgusting. It, it's it's probably the most disgusting thing about me. Oh boy, I'm trying to figure what the smoking, being around smoker thing has to do with that. Though. Well, and I've like, I move my mouth a lot, and I just I, I think it's the same, you know, ticks. I guess you could call them of people that are smokers and move their mouth or they got to move their hands or something. You know, just. I don't know, just these weird ticks that smokers have. I feel you. Have either of you guys seen the new Avatar yet? No. No. I'm not going no. to. I thought the first one was trash. I saw it and I thought it was pretty good. Nah, I just, I didn't get, I don't get it. I didn't get that it. $2 billion in 20 days. I even did the, uh, the one of the Avatar rides in uh, at Disney World last time I was there. I was just like, you know, I just, I don't get the attraction. You know, when we went to Disney World, I... Everyone was going to that, and I was like, well, now, because it just opened, you know? And we just went to everything else because the line was like four-hour wait or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. It was insane. Oh, and if you guys haven't heard, shout-out to Frisco, Texas. They are getting Universal Studios. What? So you are now within driving distance of a pretty sweet theme park. Really? And I've been dying to go to a, a Universal Studios. I've been to like to the outside of the gates where they have like all the restaurants and stuff there in Orlando. My dad is obsessed with Disney World. He wants to go back to Disney World. It's like let's try let's try Universal Studios the one time. All right. I think that'd be a lot. Be- I think it's better. People say it's better than Disney World. And Frisco, Texas, is getting Universal Studios. If you don't know where that is, that's right outside Dallas. So you're when talking it- about a seven hour drive. When is that going to be open? Oh, it's going to be a- it's going to be years, I'm sure. Right. That's interesting, though. Universal is like they have better thrill rides than Disney does, for sure. I agree. Like, I think it's more, yeah, more. You know, adults would enjoy it a lot more than Disney World. I think at each park at Disney World, like they maybe maybe three rides are super cool to enjoy. <laughs> Outside of that, not really. It, you know, it's I kind of get over it over a couple of days. Um, it's whimsical. I'm not a Harry Potter guy, but I think the Harry Potter world or whatever it's called at it, Universal would be pretty sweet. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh, all and the it, food's really good too. And the Simpsons stuff, I love the Simpsons stuff. Have a have a have a burger at Moe's or whatever, or, or you know, right? Crab, or, what, what, uh, Krusty the Crab, right. or Cr- Krusty, Krusty the, the clown. clown. Jesus, I'm getting mixed up with. We got We got to call it, guys. I'm a mess. I got to go chew some fingernails and be gross. Yeah. Also going to do some trivia. For Trey, Troy, I'm Mitch. Go Cats.